0: Welcome to episode number 17 of the Beyond 24 Days podcast. Today we cover that five-letter dirty word, carbs, again. Running tips with Ken and Brooke covers the meals from the last two weeks, so stick around for more. Welcome to the Beyond 24 Days podcast with your hosts, Brooke and Ken. Beyond 24 Days is focused on healthier living by promoting whole and natural foods while supporting your local, responsible producers. You can follow us on social media at Beyond 24 Days, where we share our food ideas and recipes. And now your hosts, Brooke and Ken. Welcome back, everybody, and we are back.
1: Yeah, with episode number 17.
0: Seems like every time we record a podcast, we start off by apologizing for not recording a podcast the previous week.
1: I'd like to say sorry, but... Not sorry, because we took a re-energizing weekend vacation like we do every year for ourselves.
0: Yeah, so sorry, not sorry. Uh, last week we were gone, but we were just uh, recharging our batteries, so to speak. And then uh, this past weekend, quite a lot of additional excitement. If you can hear some snoring in the background, it's not it's not us. Yeah, I know we're. I know uh, my voice can be kind of monotone and boring sometimes, but uh, I don't think I put Brooke to sleep <laughs> that fast. We actually um, got a pug puppy. So, if you follow my running Instagram, you'll see I post a picture of our little pooch. But uh, she is just a bit of a handful. But now that it's winding down and the day's coming to a close, uh, she's ready for bed. So, she's snoring.
1: She's passed out. On my lap, snoring, and most likely being recorded into this podcast. So we apologize.
0: Yeah, so for all the pug fans out there, she is a pug, and her little scrunchy nose makes her snore all the time. So we enjoy her very much. The kids love her. It's uh, an added, I guess it's, uh, what is that called? Not controlled chaos, but I don't know. It's welcomed chaos, I guess you could say.
1: So everybody welcome Tilly. She's making her... Beyond 24 Days. Yes. Uh, debut.
0: So anyway, um, I guess to recap the last two weeks, Brooke had mentioned that we had gone away. Um, and we tried to exercise to the best of our abilities, eating clean while away, but, um, it's not always the easiest thing to do. Um, you try to make smart choices. Mm Mm-hmm and uh, kind of go from there. One thing, I swore off dairy, so there wasn't... Uh, we didn't get ice cream.
1: No, it's one of our typical things we do while we go away, and we didn't do huh. it. man. But um, we did squeeze exercise, in. we actually completed one of our virtual races.
0: Yeah, we, um, U.S. Road Running has the Lincoln Virtual 5K, so we thought it was pretty fitting that we would run that race in Gettysburg um last weekend so we had a lot of fun doing that and it wasn't too bad the weather was pretty nice it was a little on the it was a little bit damp out mm-hmm. kind of muggy it was a weird weird weather but it was uh not too bad for running in fact we actually found or ran into other people who were also taking advantage of the nice weather because they were calling for Rain and and figures every time that we schedule to go away for a long weekend, we end up getting hit with either a snowstorm or a rainstorm. <laughs> and this past time, the Northeast got hit with a blizzard that brought ten, twelve inches of snow through the entire area. So we were we dodged a bullet. We able we were able to uh, travel after the storm.
1: And you all know that I'm not like Ken. I'm not a a huge runner, so. I actually have to say that running in Gettysburg was by far one of the easiest places to run because normally I'm so focused on how out of breath I am or how much my legs are hurting. And it was almost like being a squirrel and being distracted. I'd be like, oh, oh gosh, I'm out of breath. Oh, look, a monument. Oh, <laughs> and then I'd read the monument and forget that I was feeling like poop. We pass the monument. I'd be out of breath again for another couple feet and be like, oh, another monument.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess it doesn't help too that we decide to run after breakfast. And the place that we stay serves like a home cooked. It's a pretty hearty breakfast. It's a bed and breakfast. And the uh, meals are pretty, pretty on the heavier side. So Running afterwards on a full stomach wasn't the most enjoyable thing in the world, but the scenery definitely does help. And also, shout out to Mojo Socks. Um, Brooke has a pair, loves them. Uh, They are compression socks when she runs. um, You said that you don't really have much in the way of leg cramps. Mm -hmm. Um, I recently shared some pictures on Instagram with us running with our Mojo Socks And Mojo Socks gave us a shout out and sent me a free pair of their compression socks. I absolutely love the socks, love the customer service. It was really cool to sort of get that shout out. And another thing I mentioned about the hard cider race. If you use my code KennyB5, you get $5 off your registration. Well, apparently I must be doing something right because a number of people have used the code and they're sending me a free training shirt. So keep your eyes open for a training hard cider shirt.
1: Thank you. Anybody who was a listener who used that code.
0: Yeah. I have no clue who used it. Uh, it may have been like one or two people, but, uh, that's been fun. So with all that running stuff. and, and, uh, I guess in current events, um, I do, I will be running in a 15 K this weekend and then a half marathon next weekend so, if you don't hear from us for two weeks, probably because I'm in the hospital. Uh, I don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying jokingly, because so I probably won't be able to walk. I'll probably be in a wheelchair or something with all this running that I have in nah, mind.
1: Yeah, he got lots of leg-rolly thingies. <laughs> He'll be fine.
0: Um, what else is new? Oh, also, we are just chock full of charitable causes lately. Um, I am the captain of a Relay for Life team. And our Relay for Life team is doing very well. Um, I'm excited about that. That's going to be in June. So I won't really, I don't really have too much to share about that right now. But I guess the closer we get to the Relay for Life event, the more I'll have to share about that. But um, my, me and another person have pledged to run 50 miles for the Relay for Life. So if you are interested in making a donation and supporting the cause, I will post a link in the blog for you to donate to our Relay for Life team. So, yeah, that's uh, quite a lot of stuff to sort of recap the last two weeks. I know I'm probably missing something, leaving something out.
1: Your trip to New York
0: City? Uh, Yeah, I had a sort of impromptu trip to New York City, and it was one of those, it was just supposed to be an overnight trip. It turned into a few-night-over trip. And uh, I was sort of prepared, kind of. Um, making I wasn't. yeah, <laughs> trying to make uh, good food choices while traveling, especially for work, and being sort of a high stress environment, uh, it was kind of difficult to really find the the time and to find the resources to eat well. Thankfully, uh, there was a Whole Foods nearby where we sort of set up shop, and I was able to take advantage of the Whole Foods salad bar that they have, which has huge array of food. It's pretty good. I was quite
1: envious of the picture you sent me. It looked it was, delicious.
0: It was all it was a hundred percent vegan lunch that I had and I I really enjoyed it. It was two pounds. I didn't realize how much, but it was two pounds of vegetables that I ate for lunch that day. So I went a little crazy. It's um I noticed that Whole Foods has mostly just vegetables and they had a lot of meat products. Um, I thought Wegmans actually has a nicer uh, food buffet set up because they had like Indian food and all kinds of stuff. And Whole Foods, um, you know, not knocking Whole Foods, they're putting in one in near us soon. I think that's coming next year or two years. I
1: think it's supposed to be done by the summer.
0: I don't know. I I have yet to even begin construction, Mm -hmm. but it would be awesome once that's completed to have that near my work so I can grab... Uh, lunch. probably not probably not $10 worth or <laughs> 2 pounds worth which i think was like $20 i felt bad but do what you got to do to eat healthy
1: well what i thought was nice was you and i are so used to staying at hotels that offer complimentary breakfasts and the hotel you stayed in did not do that um so it was nice when you went to whole foods you found individualized size packets of vegan protein powder oh, yes. th- that you yep. were able to eat a somewhat healthy breakfast
0: Brooke and I have experimented with um, a variety of protein powders—whey um, protein, soy protein, pea protein—for um, a while. Uh, it, it's you know it's just whatever kind of book I'm reading at the moment that sways my opinion. But uh, I read the China study and an, another book that I'm just finishing reading up. I'm not going to talk about it on this podcast, but um, it's they they are the unsung heroes i guess of the the vegan world and of promoting plant-based diets and how you know they've linked whey protein casein and and all the stuff to promoting cancer growth not saying that they are cancerous but it says that you know these proteins sort of fuel uh, and sort of enhance cancerous growth but i you know Try not to overload my head with all that stuff. But so lately, I've been going more of the plant based protein powders, and Vega um, is one that I've, I keep going back to. I really like the, the taste, I really like the flavor. And it was awesome that while I was in New York, they had the individual packets I was able to pick up for breakfast the following day. So it's pretty good. Um, so on this podcast, speaking of plants, One of the concepts of one of the the books that I'm reading, it's it's called The Starch Solution. I'll talk about it on our next podcast once I'm actually done the book, but uh, I'm about halfway through it. But The Starch Solution talks about how starches are good, how carbohydrates are actually good for us, and how it's more important to introduce more carbs than proteins and fats. And mostly because... Our body breaks down carbohydrates into glucose, which we use to fuel our body. Uh, whereas proteins are broken down more into um, muscle building. It's as thermogenic, so it burns fat, but it also helps you build muscles. But the um, the book doesn't really go into much about proteins. It doesn't really talk about consuming a high protein diet. It mostly focuses on carbohydrates. So that is the dirty word that we're going to talk about today is carbs.
1: And I will admit to everybody right now that I am a carbaholic. I always have been ever since I was a kid. I was always more concerned about what was the other thing on my plate. Like I couldn't have cared less what the main dish was on my plate. If it was mashed potatoes, rice, noodle, that's usually the first thing. And even still is the first thing I will always eat I love my pasta.
0: Yes. When we go out to eat, I usually tease Brooke because even if she does get a burger or something, she'll usually, you eat the sides I first. I eat the fries first. Yeah. If I
1: do get fries or.
0: You go for the side dishes first and then you eat sort of, you know, the quote unquote main, main course. I do. And I've always been like that.
1: So when we were struggling with our weight, um, you know, I, mean, I remember one time I tried Atkins with my mom years and years ago. And it, it darn near killed me. I to give up the ugh, no, I couldn't give up bread and, and all that good stuff. So I think when we stumbled onto Advocare, I was very skeptical at first. And then we read through the meal plan and I was extremely And pleasantly surprised to find that they encouraged the consumption of carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates, which was something we had to school ourselves about, you know, what those were. Getting rid of the white pasta and the white rice was so simple once we were turned on to a whole different world of grains and starches.
0: Right. Once we were promoting... The consumption of um, whole-based foods instead of the refined, the refined carbs. I agree. You should probably avoid the refined carbs, the white flours, the white bread, a lot of the, um, a lot of the highly processed carbohydrates. You you would want to avoid because there is no really any sort of nutritional benefit. Um, so we aim for sort of a whole food, whole-based carbs. A great example, and we talked about starchy complex carbs and fibrous complex carbs, but sweet potatoes, white potatoes, it doesn't matter. Just a potato in general is a great source for carbohydrates.
1: And which is something that some people would probably scoff at us for saying, eating a white potato. Right. A lot of diets say stay away from white potatoes, but... We've slowly been incorporating them back into our diet, whether that's in Indian dishes or um, sometimes I'll just take potatoes, even if they're they're white or blue. I mean, it's pretty much still the same thing. And I cube them and season them with olive oil and some Mrs. Dash and just roast them in the oven. That to me is different than buying a processed potato puff from the grocery store that's been flash fried.
0: And right, right. stuck in the oven. I mean, uh, and even we add a little bit of oil to it. And I know that this book, this um, starch solution book, is based off of the Engine 2 diet where they swear off all kinds of oils. So I know people will probably scoff when they hear us say that we dress the potatoes in oil. But, um, you know, it's just, it's funny because I mentioned it on the previous podcast. I think it's really important that you establish a base. You start to eat healthy foods, avoid the refined sugars, the refined carbs, or, you know, avoid all that processed stuff, eat whole foods, and sort of aim for that 50% carbohydrates, um, 30% protein, 20% fat. And it's funny because we... Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's like a guilty pleasure. I don't even know what to say. Really how you would classify it. But we get hung up on watching the show My 600-Pound Life. And... I find it really interesting that when these extremely overweight people meet this doctor, he limits them to a 1,200-calorie high-protein diet. And it's, it's fascinating because they seem to lose the weight. Um, but I find when we consume a lot of protein, I tried it. Um, I established the base, the 50-30-20 rule, and then on, I went through a phase where I was trying to play with those percentages, and I increased my proteins, and I would eat a lot of protein. And I found that when I did that, I sort of increased my hunger level and I, I wasn't satiated. I wasn't satisfied. I would eat a lot of protein and I was still hungry and I'd find myself looking for snacks. If I consume a lot of carbs, I find that when I have the complex carbs, sweet potatoes, and I, I'm, I'm satiated, I can go after having a lunch that is mostly carbohydrates I find that in the afternoons, I often forget about my afternoon snack and kind of have to force myself. Oh, you have something to eat here. Have, you know, make sure you drink something. So, I mean, there is like a satiating quality with carbohydrates that I think is really good, especially if you're trying to lose weight. Now, like I said, I think it's important to establish a base instead of just jumping into the no carbs or, or no protein or no this or no that sort of a thing. Well,
1: and, Once we we started to make a meal plan, and I tried to balance our meals out, I typically try not to make too many meat-filled dishes back to back to back. And I even had a friend who looked over my meal plan, and she's like, oh, I see your pattern here. You have meatless Monday, you have a soup on Tuesday, sometimes there's meat in it, sometimes you're not. Oh, you always try and incorporate a sweet breakfast or savory breakfast in here, i just like, oh, and then you do non-meat, meat. meat. Because I feel like uh, once we started eating meatless meals, when we would eat a lot of protein, I feel really bad. I feel bloated Mm -hmm. and I feel tired after I eat that meal versus when I eat the meal that's just full of vegetables and starches.
0: I'm doing it, guys. I'm slowly converting Brooke. (laughs) into a whole foods plant-based diet i haven't won her over completely and the thing is it's not that i don't like animal proteins it's just that like brooke i noticed that when we do eat a lot of animal products i just get so like bloated and sluggish and that's one of the the best things that happened from kicking dairy products for me now i did shout out to halo top i did have uh, birthday cake ice cream tonight. It's like the first time I've had that in a long time. Um, and that that actually doesn't really bother me too much, but I think it's probably mostly because I just have been avoiding dairy uh, since I last announced that I gave up pizza. Um, I haven't had much dairy products since then. So, But
1: anyway. So aside from your typical starches and grains that you – probably already eat or, or hear a lot about, um, your pastas, your brown rices, um, whole grain breads, and whole grain wraps. I'd like to stress that. We have we still eat wraps a lot, but we always make sure that we get the whole grain. And uh, we love couscous, and you can find a whole grain couscous as well.
0: Love that couscous.
1: But something that's popped up recently you see it all over the place, the two words, ancient grains. I Hmm. I remember like Cheerios came out with Cheerios, ancient grains. And it just sort of seems like a a catchy. uh, It's
0: a buzzword in the food industry.
1: Right. But they don't really ever tell you like what is an ancient grain.
0: Well, that's the uh, Cheerios that the Egyptians (laughs) ate. King Tut had those ancient grain Cheerios. Yeah. Delicious. Delicious.
1: So, you know, I was a super sleuth and did my typical thing and went on to Pinterest, my favorite resource. And you can find an ancient grain chart that explains to you um, all the different ancient grains, how to cook them, because a lot of recipes will tell you, okay, put two cups of cooked millet into your, your recipe, but they don't tell you how to cook the millet. And if you get your... If you get your grains at a, a retail grocery store, I'm sure they'll come with directions. But but if you're like Ken and myself, we buy our grains right from Central Market. And they just come scooped out of a bin and thrown into a plastic bag with absolutely no directions. So Pinterest has been a great resource for us.
0: Well, and also we, we try to act like we're cool, like we know what we're buying. But deep down, we're just... Uh... We're just ordering them because they sound cool. We're too proud to ask for directions. I'm sure that if we asked the vendor, he'd probably give them to us, but, yeah, you know, whatever.
1: So I want to go over some of the ancient grains that um, our Instagram viewers might see pop up quite frequently in some of our recipes that I've been experimenting with. They ha- all have unique tastes. They all have unique textures. And I think we've discussed before, there's really only one that, I haven't enjoyed, and that was the amaranth. But I, pro- I promise, I will give it one more try. I don't
0: know. It really tasted like dirt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it it was really earthy, and I mean, a lot of the grains on this chart are considered to be earthy. But I don't. I don't think I've tasted any quite as earthy as
0: as dirt as, as the
1: amaranth. So amaranth. We'll start with the amaranth. Is a small Uh, Seed-like, very small grain.
0: I just don't remember. What was that in? Oh, it was amaranth pumpkin. (laughs) Amaranth pumpkin porridge. Tastes like pumpkins in the field.
1: Now, tonight I experimented with another porridge, another pumpkin porridge, but this time I used millet, which is another small. um, They're they're just really small. They just remind me of little tiny seeds.
0: It was pretty good. Like a poppy seed. Yeah, yeah. It's got a little bit. It's almost like a sesame seed size.
1: Yeah, like about that size. Um this time I loved it. The the taste was like point and there was no earthiness to it.
0: It had like a sweet quality. It had like um almost like a sweet potato-y sort of a, a feel. It was really good. I liked it.
1: So, I mean, obviously we can talk about probably one of the trendiest of the ancient grains, which is like, you know, the skinny soy lattes of the grain world, which is quinoa.
0: Ah, yes, quinoa. quinoa. Actually, that's one of my go-tos. I really like quinoa.
1: I mean, oh, yeah, I like it. I I like the... Um, Tricolored? Tri-color- exactly, yeah, yes. yeah.
0: <laughs> Reading to those minds. Yeah. <laughs> I also like the the Israeli couscous. It almost was like a little... Little noodle ball. I don't know. I thought those were good. That's because couscous is little noodle balls. It's not part of
1: the ancient grain family.
0: (laughs) Oh, see that? Uh, All right. Well, I'll Uh, take that out.
1: One of my favorite grains that we've been experimenting with quite a bit is farro. Farro is a little thicker than a grain of, of rice, but it's got an extremely chewy texture to it, and it's extremely nutty. And Mm -hmm. I like putting it in soups. It's a great addition to soups. It's like a really stiff rice almost.
0: It adds a a little bit of that smooth, nutty texture to the soup. It really helps sort of, if, if there's like a sharp taste in the soup, something that has like a sharp taste, like kale or something like that, you can almost cut it with the farro. The farro kind of smooths everything out.
1: Barley, I, I don't really think I need to go into barley, but barley is great in soups. Barley mm-hmm. is great in stews. It holds itself and it has a really nice taste to it. And I was so pleasantly surprised. Um, one of the meals that we will be discussing when I when I go over cooking with Brooke, we had sorghum for the first mm-hmm. time. Sorghum is sweet and nutty.
0: It's very complex. It's got a really complex flavor. I think I even wrote that on the blog when I posted that, when I shared the recipe with everybody.
1: It has a very chewy, almost like a al dente texture to it, but it just went really nice with everything that we had in the bowl with it. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. I was I was blown away by how good it was. I even remember texting Ken after I took the picture of the bowl and saying, man, this looks really bland. But then I stirred the bowl up and started eating, and the flavors of the bowl kind of just all went together. Chia seeds was on the list, but I personally don't eat chia seeds. Uh, plain. Oh. I can't stand the texture of them in the water.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've
1: used chia Oof. to bake. I've used chia to bind together things like tuna cakes. And uh, I think we put maybe a small amount into smoothies before, but I can't do chia water.
0: It, the, the, oh, man. You've done chia know. kombucha oh. before.
1: Yuck. And that didn't go so well.
0: I just couldn't do it. All right, so those are the grains that we have had. How about some of the grains that we haven't had? There's what not we, what are we itching to try?
1: Well, there's not too many more on the list, but I definitely have worked some new recipes into my meal plan. So in the future, look for some recipes that will contain Frika, Kamut, and teff.
0: Frika. <laughs> I just like that name. What kind of grain is this? Frika? Frika delicious. I'm gonna have a whole I'm gonna have a whole section on funny, funny grain sounds. <laughs> Frika. <laughs> Freaky delicious. What are you making with that? Soup. Freaky delicious soup. <laughs> That's what it's all about.
1: Anyway, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to get off my soapbox about ancient greens and, and carbs and starches. I just want to kind of wrap this up by saying don't be afraid of them. No. Eat
0: lots of them. Well, I've been pleasantly surprised. Except for amaranth, if you can.
1: We're going to give it a second try. Oh,
0: man. It's like eating dirt, but I'll give it a try again. Eating dirt's good for you. That's where all the calcium is, you know?
1: Oh, and you know what? While we're we're on this subject, uh, let's not forget about our legumes.
0: Oh, yeah, the legumes. And
1: beans. Uh, We try and work those into our diet quite a bit. Uh, Butter beans, kidney beans, black beans are some good ones, and we love lentils. Oh, yeah. We love our lentils.
0: That's perhaps one of my favorite go-tos. Uh, like a meat substitute when we do the lentil mm-hmm. taco. Even lentil in a soup is pretty good, too. I like them all.
1: So I'm going to say this is probably a good time for a break since we've just been
0: going for quite some time now. Yammering on about grains. Grains. F- freak of grains. <laughs> freak of delicious food. Oh, my God. When we, uh, when we come back... I'd like to share with you some pre-race tips uh, when you're about to run in a race. Maybe it's your first race. Some tips about beforehand. And also, we will cover what's cooking in the kitchen with Brooke from our meals from the last
1: two, two weeks. three weeks. Uh, even you know, though we said we weren't going to go a two-week stretch, I we know, did it again. did it again.
0: So uh, stay tuned and stick around for more. Welcome back, everybody. As well, if you're a listener to our podcast, you know that Brooke and I are frequent racers. Um, Brooke may not classify herself as a frequent racer, but we've been to plenty of races that we kind of know the drill. So um, everybody has their like pre-race ritual. The day of the race, usually we get up pretty early and we try to have a breakfast. I would recommend not skipping a meal. You're going to need some fuel in your body to help you through the race. Um, I I know everyone uses the term to carb load, but I think a a hearty breakfast, we usually do like a banana, an oatmeal, something that's going to satiate hunger, but also give us that energy that we need. So play around with that. Hopefully during your training, you've tried a few things to see what works, what doesn't work. Um, I would strongly suggest never eating a salad before a race that, uh, That is not a good combination. But one of the things, aside from the running aspect and the food aspect, um, something that I posted on my own personal blog was, before the race, always make sure you get there early. We're going to be in the hot chocolate 15K coming up, and there are around 6,500 people that are going to be in that race. And that's a lot of people. And especially, even though Philadelphia is a big city, the day of the event, parking is usually horrendous. Um, it's You can spend what feels like an eternity looking for a parking spot. So first piece of advice is always get there early. The earlier you're there, the, you'll be the crowd. You'll be able to find parking if that's your thing. Another thing is um, if there's merchandise for sale at the race. One thing that I've learned big time is if you run over to the merch tent first thing and start buying up all the stuff, Uh, you're going to be pretty upset because usually after the race, they sell a lot of the stuff for discounted pricing. Fanny packs. Fanny packs. (laughs) Um, If it's cold out um, and you don't have gloves or a hat, if you're going to go to the merch tent, those are probably the only things I would recommend buying up front, gloves and hats, because it's cold. And if other people are unprepared, chances are, they're all going to be buying gloves and hats too. So I know last year at the hot chocolate run beforehand, all the gloves and hats, a lot of the small stuff was gone right away because they're just quick and easy to go. Um, but definitely save it for after the race. If you're looking to buy shirts and stuff, because chances are they're going to have it. They'll probably end up having a discounted price on stuff after the race and you'll get better deals. You said Fanny packs and it, uh, <laughs> reminded me of a th- few things. Um, usually before the race, the day before or a couple of days before, there's usually an expo where you can go load up on freebies so uh, a fanny pack is definitely an awesome thing to have when you are running. Um, I have a runner's belt that has two water bottles that hold nine ounces each. And I love um, to use none. It's like a electrolyte replacement uh, tablet. It kind of
1: looks like a little like Alka-Saltzer tablet.
0: Yeah. Um, I highly recommend that stuff. That's really awesome. But um, So, yeah, if you go to the expo, look around. There's usually, you'll usually find deals on some of the merchandise at the expo. And then the day of the race, they're trying to capitalize on everyone being there. So they're going to sell us up full price.
1: When you went to the, um, the Hershey half, Mm. you got that big giant box of granola. There's sometimes, sometimes vendors set up there, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know if it's everywhere, but if they ship, you know, worldwide, but super NOLA, super NOLA had a, a stand set up at the Hershey half marathon expo and they were selling stuff at a a discounted price. It was like a big bulk box and you got all like a variety pack and everything was discounted and it was really good stuff. Um, Another thing is if you, depending on the race, I don't know if every race is like this. I know the hot chocolate run does this and a couple others. Wear old clothing. If you want to wear layers, wear old clothing that you can discard during the race. And a lot of times what they'll do is they'll donate these discarded clothes to a local shelter Mm. So if you have an old pair of gloves or an old hat or an old jacket um, that is still in decent shape, but something that you know you don't have any emotional attachment to, you can sort of just throw aside. They will collect those afterwards and and end up donating those. I don't know. Last year at the Hot Chocolate Run, it rained, and I'm hoping it doesn't do the same again this year. But all those wet clothes, I can't can't imagine that they were donating wet clothes to a shelter. It seems kind of mean. So hopefully they wash everything beforehand.
1: Well, and to snowball off that talking about preparedness, if you know you're going to a race and you know what the weather is going to be like, don't be proud and not take something to protect yourself. You know, I'm I was a little like put off by having to run in a poncho when we did the ugly sweater oh, yeah. run yep. because it was like rain, sleet, but I'm so glad we had those ponchos at the end. There was other people who were soaking wet in the middle of December. Yep. And we were pretty much, I mean, besides our feet, we were pretty much dry.
0: Yeah. So don't, don't be too proud. Don't be foolish. Wear clothes. Wear layers. Try to maintain your heat, your body heat. Uh, don't do anything too crazy, especially if you're going to do races in a lot colder weather. In the summertime, I mean, take your chances. One thing, everyone loves wearing the event t-shirts. Um, I don't really have this issue, but a lot of people chafe easily. So a lot of times you'll see the day of the race, people will have the race shirt on and they're happy to wear it. And, uh, you know, they'll complain afterwards that they've experienced chafing because, um, they're trying something new. So that's another bit of advice before the race. Don't try anything new. Don't try a new pair of shoes out on the day of a race. Don't try any new clothing out. Um, unless it's something that, Um, like I wear these Adidas running shorts. So I know that if I went out and bought a new pair that day, I probably wouldn't have any issues if I wore them for the first time during a race, but try not to do anything too drastic. I know some people think if they get a new pair of running shoes, they're going to wear them to the race for the first time. You can end up injuring yourself. So always try intrude methods for all your equipment. Make sure your shoes are comfortable. You've run in them before. Make sure your shoes are broken in so they don't hurt your feet. Your clothing. Make sure it's clothes that you've worn before. Um, you know that sort of a thing. It's it's all. It sounds like really elementary stuff that I'm sharing right now, but it was stuff that you just I didn't think about. Um, another thing is speaking of clothing. Always try to take along a, an extra pair of clothes. Um, the hot chocolate run and the ugly sweater run. Two examples. Ugly sweater run is in December. There's no telling what it's going to do. Rain, sleet, snow. You don't know. It's always nice to have an extra pair of clothes to change into. Hot chocolate run. Last year it rained, so it was nice to have clothing to change into. So they may sound like little minor things, but on the day of a race, you can never be too prepared. So that's all I have this week. Really, um, not a whole lot. We do have the hot chocolate 15K coming up. By the time this airs, it probably already came and gone because we are recording a little bit on the later side this week. So... Yeah. So anyway, uh, enough of that nonsense. Everybody's here for the food. So, Brooke, <laughs> what is cooking and what has cooked? What is cooked?
1: Well, you would think in the last two weeks we would have a ton of food to talk about, but with us being away on vacation and...
0: Um, oh, we ate out a lot. Well... Unfortunately.
1: Well, I just didn't, yeah. I didn't get as many meals cooked and... So a little bit of life happened this week, but we did have some really good meals. Uh, We did a crispy Chinese chicken. Oh, that was good. It was a really interesting, it was just bite-sized pieces of chicken that were coated in an arrowroot starch. Um, just lightly pan-fried with some olive oil and it went with a stir fry of green peppers and I served it with um, rice.
0: You mentioned arrowroot, which is a good substitute for cornstarch. Yeah, I've
1: used it to thicken sauces. It's been coming up in a lot of the recipes that I've been making lately.
0: Yes, I don't know if you're like us and you watch documentaries about corn and all that fun stuff and all the nasty things that come from corn, (laughs) but if you're trying to reduce your corn intake, a good substitute for cornstarch is arrowroot. Uh,
1: Moving on, we had... A really delicious meal. Um, It was a coconut crusted cod and that came with a mango cayenne dipping sauce. The piece of cod started out by being washed in the mango sauce, rolled in coconut and baked in the oven. So it had a little bit of spice to it, a little bit of crunch to it because of the crispy coconut on the outside. And that had like a panko
0: breadcrumb on it as well. It was definitely... um, The mango... I don't really taste too much of the mango. It wasn't really overpowering, which was nice.
1: It just kind of gave the dish a little bit of heat afterwards. Yeah. And just to look a little fancy and me dreaming of my favorite fall vegetables, I had found some purple cauliflower and I served that with five grain medley. Uh, Next one was a pretty banging meal. I did a vegan chickpea tiki masala and the spices on that were just right. It was awesome. It was pure Indian delicious spices. Uh, I served that again with rice. We've been eating a lot of rice lately. That's okay. And I took some plain cauliflower and some carrot chips and I marinated them in uh, smoked paprika and turmeric and a little bit of pepper.
0: Reminded me of like tandoori vegetables. Yeah, it was, it was delicious.
1: Good. And I just so happened to find some naan at the grocery store that day. It was just like a coincidence.
0: They knew. Giant <laughs> food stores knew what was going on in our house.
1: It was it was delicious. It was just like a classic Indian meal. I'm going to say one of my favorite meals was our soup that we had for Soup Tuesday. Oh yeah! I did a sweet potato tortilla soup. It had lots of vegetables in it. There was corn and onions, um, a lot of cilantro. There was raw red onion on top, as well as the regular onion that was cooked into the soup. And of course, there was small chunks of sweet potato. And I served that with some diced avocado on top. It was really good. Can't go wrong with the avocados. Oh, I think what made that dish is the ancho chili powder Mm. that was in it. I love anything that uses ancho chili powder.
0: Good stuff. Uh,
1: The next meal was actually a favorite of our daughter's because she's a fan of banana peppers. So when I saw this recipe, I actually wanted to make it for her because I knew she would like it it was a banana pepper and tomato baked chicken. So it was some chicken breasts just lined up in a pan and you made a mixture of all sorts of Italian herbs and seasonings, uh, tomatoes, and I think there was Worcestershire sauce in it. Mix that all together, dump that on top of the chicken, top the whole thing with half a jar of banana peppers and bake it in the oven. We had a whole grain rotini and I put a little bit of ghee on there to give it the buttery taste, but not have the dairy. And I made a cabbage, carrot, and snow pea stir fry to go with that. It was absolutely delicious.
0: I was more excited about the s- snow pea stir fry.
1: Yeah, it was really it was good. Because you know what? I actually mixed some hot sauce in with the vegetables when I oh. roasted them. And it gave it just a little bit of extra kick. I little, like to I like to try and find different seasonings or add a little hot sauce to the vegetables to give them taste. Uh, my kids seem to really love Creole seasoning. So like tonight we had asparagus with our meal and yeah. our son actually ate 90% of his asparagus, which is a feat for him.
0: This uh, next meal was one of my favorites.
1: You just liked how spicy. It was a little it was a little high on my spice meter. We did a Kung Pao chicken meatball, and again, I did that with rice, and we had the creole seasoned uh, asparagus to go with that. But it was a nice oven-baked chicken meatball, kind of simple ingredients, onions and chicken and some spices mixed together. There was sriracha that went In the meatball mix.
0: Mm, So good.
1: And then you bake them in the oven. When they come out, you toss them in the Kung Pao sauce, which was, yeah, like I said, a little spicy for me because it was sriracha and sambal and soy sauce and a little bit of honey mixed together. It was pretty good. (laughs) Topped it with some green onions. It it was good. It was just, you know.
0: Would I lie?
1: A little sinus clearing for me.
0: It was freaking delicious. (laughs) There it is again. (laughs) keep using it.
1: So we're going to move on to our bowl meal, which I think was, it was up there with the tortilla soup for me as one of a, you know my favorite meals. And I talked about this when we were discussing the grains. I did a sorghum Buddha bowl. So the base of the bowl was the cooked sorghum. I didn't add anything to it. It was just plain. Then the best part of the bowl was the roasted curried chickpeas, nice crispy, hard chickpeas, I had some greens and tomatoes in the bowl. And I think the signature thing that made this dish come together was the homemade avocado vinaigrette that went on top. So when you mix the whole bowl together, it just gave everything a great taste.
0: That was by far the perfect blending ingredient for that whole bowl. And these pictures look wonderful on Instagram, but what we don't show you is sort of like the mid-pre-feast where everything just gets kind of mixed into one big congealed mass, but that stuff, that sauce, was just that was just the perfect combining agent for that meal.
1: Everything just really went together. The sweetness and the nuttiness of the sorghum, the curry on the chickpeas, the taste of the greens, and then just mixing that really tangy vinaigrette together. It was probably my first or second favorite. I can't decide. Oh,
0: can never decide when it comes to plant based meals. They're just too good.
1: The next meal was really good. It was something kind of different. It was a grass-fed beef noodle stir-fry. So I started with a Japanese udon noodle, and you can just... It sounds really fancy, but they normally have them in the produce section of your local grocery store. A uh, pound of grass-fed ground beef, uh, red and green pepper, broccoli... And you make a just a really light sauce with soy sauce and honey. And that just goes into the bowl after everything's cooked. You toss the noodles and everything around. And I sprinkled sesame seeds on top.
0: The grass-fed beef uh, producer is pretty local to this area that we live in. We have a farmer's market that's located right in the heart of our city. And I absolutely adore this grass-fed operation. They have all kinds of beef, poultry. Um, It's really good stuff. And I think we talked about it before, but the grass-fed beef, I feel like it has like a a nuttier... It's got like a really rich flavor to it. And it's something that I just just can't compare it to commercial stuff. Well,
1: even when you cook it, you can smell a difference between the commercial beef and the grass-fed beef. Right. I just... I like it. I... I kind of cringe when I know we're not going to be able to get to market to get the grass-fed beef and I have to go to the grocery store and buy
0: Yeah. Well, that's beef. just another I'm I'm trying trying to push Brooke to do more and more plant-based meals. But, we're getting there. Um, you know, and it's it's not so much an ethical thing. I think it's more of a health a health thing for us. Um, you know, I I commend anyone who's vegan that really can uh, stick to a, a hundred percent vegan lifestyle and diet. That takes a lot of work, and uh, I really—it's uh, very admirable. But um, it's just one of those things that I don't know if uh, I, I'm sure we could do if we tried. But um, you know, I st- we still do like the the taste and the flavor of some of the the meats that we do eat. Sorry, I don't know why I'm going off on that. <laughs> it's all right.
1: So we got on the porridge bandwagon again since the pumpkin amaranth porridge failed miserably. So we tried it with a different grain this time, and we did a pumpkin millet porridge. And I have to say, I think that worked way better than the amaranth.
0: It tasted like it was closer to pumpkin pie and not so much pumpkin still in the field. And uh, I do apologize, our pooch is uh, panting away, but the cat... Came nearby our little recording studio, and the dog got a little excited. (laughs) Pardon our pants.
1: So the pumpkin millet porridge is really simple ingredients, no refined sugar, uh, topped with some toasted pecans, but I did deviate from the recipe a little bit. It looked a little dry to me, Mm. and I wanted it to be a little more creamy. So I actually added some cashew butter to it. Ah. And I think that gave it a really good texture and a little extra huh. to the taste.
0: Well, if you're listening right now, that's up on the blog. I did not include the cashew butter, though. I'm sorry. Oh, well. <laughs>
1: happened. Um, and I did serve that. We wanted to do something fun to go along with our breakfast um, meal that day. And I had seen a pin on Pinterest for waffle iron omelets.
0: Now, before we go into extreme detail, the waffle iron Meals. Whenever you try to get creative and waffle mm-hmm. iron in the same sentence, it usually ends up in a disaster. We've tried what did we try that one time? Protein, <laughs> protein waffles and it made a protein mess all over the place. Yeah. So we were a little gun shy to try this, but we devised a plan and it actually worked out okay. Yeah. We um it was just a simple uh egg omelet, no no cheese, no dairy, nothing like that. We used almond milk. We did. And um, what I did was we stir fried the vegetables first, which was spinach,
1: onions, and
0: it was a orange pepper, orange pepper. And uh, so what we did was took a scoop of all the stir fried veggies, put it on top of the waffle iron, and then poured half. A I cup. think it was a cup, half a cup. Was it Was a half a cup? Mm-hmm. Poured a half a cup of egg over top of all that, and we actually before closing the waffle iron, I let everything sort of settle and kind of cook to like a, a scrambled consistency and then I shut the lid and then flipped it over and when the egg cook it actually expands so we did have a little bit of blowout the first time but uh, we got it down for the the remaining three waffles so the picture that you see is <laughs> one of the pristine waffles. And that you made know,
1: it. it really wasn't anything like spectacular or strenuous I just liked the way it looked and I thought my kids would get humor out of it and you know they did their added some ketchup on top of it Mm -hmm. and our son thought it was a novel idea
0: and so did your husband i also enjoyed (laughs) it as well
1: uh the last meal i'm going to share with you is another soup and it was delicious i wasn't really quite sure how it was going to go um but i did a vegan broccoli quote-unquote cheese soup
0: Why'd you do air coats on cheese?
1: Because it's vegan cheese. Cheese. Oh. Um, you start out with a base of broth, butternut squash, onions, and some Yukon gold potatoes, and you boil those until they get soft. And that's pretty much the most you're going to do on the stove. Everything gets transferred into a blender, a high-powered blender, And you're going to mix that with nutritional yeast, pumpkin seeds, Mm. and a bunch of spices like powdered mustard, turmeric, pepper, blend it up until everything is smooth in texture. It goes back in the pot. You add some chopped broccoli florets and simmer that until the broccoli is tender uh it was a little too thick for my liking, so I took some almond milk. It was a suggestion in the recipe. I took some almond milk and I thinned it down a little bit. Hmm. It it was really good.
0: I said, "Hmm," cuz I haven't tried it yet. Yes. It's my leftovers for lunch. So I'm excited to give it a shot.
1: Our daughter liked it a lot, which doesn't surprise me. She, she likes everything. She likes everything. Yeah.
0: If our son likes it, then that's something to something more noteworthy. <laughs>
1: So those were the meals we had. The meals you can look forward to uh, seeing in the blog within the next week or so. Oh, tell us what's coming up. We're going to do a sweet breakfast. We're going to have a chocolate banana oat pancake.
0: Ooh, ooh, that sounds good. I'm
1: looking forward to them. We're going to have vegetable fritters, a tomato and kale quinoa soup that gets cooked in a slow cooker.
0: Mm, That sounds good.
1: We haven't had shrimp for a while, so I'm gonna do a chili garlic shrimp.
0: Hmm. I can't I don't even know the last time we had shrimp.
1: Huh. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh peanut butter chicken, which is also a crock pot meal made with some peanut crazy butter? Richards chunky peanut butter. Ooh. Our one of our favorite brands. An orange cardamom salmon, hmm. which is actually going to be Ken's pre. Half marathon uh, fuel meal for before he does his next half marathon. Oh, boy. A coconut brown rice breakfast bowl, a vegan gumbo, and Mm. some quinoa taco meat.
0: Huh. So it sounds like I will have sort of a plant-based recovery meals after my half marathon.
1: Yeah, we actually have more plant-based meals than... Meat oh. meals in the next week and a half?
0: Well, um, stay tuned. See if... Uh, will we survive on plant-based meals? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I think what we want to try to do on... I'm sorry to cut you off. Was that everything? That's everything. Oh. so Cut away. Uh, I think what we were going to try to do on the next podcast was sort of... Maybe we're glutton for punishment, but we were thinking of broadcasting live from our kitchen on what what on Facebook? Well, yeah, I I guess guess. we would have to broadcast it live and also we'll have our microphones going. So we'll be recording for your listening pleasure later on. But I think what we're going to try to do is record in the kitchen. Um, I guess it'll be after the hot chocolate run. So I'll have an update for everybody. And it may be post half marathon. So I may even have two race updates to give everybody. So um, yeah, stick around. Hopefully we will be airing that. Well, I guess if it's live on Facebook, uh, whatever night we do that.
1: Well, we we forgot to mention that the reason we're going to go live from our kitchen is one, I'd like to show you my kitchen and just show you that everything that we cook and everything that we do is made in a very modest kitchen. I I mean, we have a microwave in our house, but I don't even use the microwave.
0: (laughs) It's a storage uh, facility (laughs) for our treats.
1: You know, just a simple oven, a few gadgets, maybe show you some of my favorite gadgets that we use to make some of our meals and some of our favorite products that we use around
0: the house. This might be pretty intense. Do you think we can do that live or should we record it and edit it? Oh, well, we'll figure it out. Well, anyway, uh, hopefully you will all join us then. The panting dog means that it's probably time to go outside for a little potty break. So thanks for joining us this week. We look forward to perhaps seeing you live next week. So stick around and stay tuned for then. Thanks. Yeah, have a freak a great night. Yeah, freak a great night <laughs> with freak a great food. I'm going to keep riding that one till, till the end of the show. All right. All right. Well, signing off. We'll see you guys later. Thanks,
1: everybody. Bye. Bye.